Hello, I'm AT. Welcome to the Bulldog Gear podcast, where we aim to open up conversations and create discussions around the practical habits, ethos, and philosophies of the most successful people in our industry. Here, we will endeavor to identify, unpack, and discuss the actions and habits of fiercely successful individuals in and around the fitness space in an attempt to create clear, actionable philosophies for you guys to experiment with and implement on your own journey of self-improvement. Hello people, on this episode of the Bulldog Gear podcast, to celebrate International Women's Day, we have a collection of toolbox talks from some of our most influential female guests. Listen up for quickfire reading recommendations, practical habits and exercise philosophies from five of the phenomenal women that I've been fortunate enough to converse with over the tenure of this podcast. Coming up, we have the double act of professional driver and health coach, respectively, Katie and Hannah Munnings. Hyrox master coach and OCR athlete Jade Skillen, professional free runner and stunt performer Katie McDonald, and coach and calisthenics aficionado Lucy Lismore. Before we start, something that I would like to add on a personal note is that as a father to a young daughter, I feel incredibly privileged to have been in a position to to bring my daughter along on many occasions when I've had the opportunity to work with a handful of these women. And I also feel that having these conversations and an ongoing dialogue has vastly contributed and helped me to become a better father to a young woman. So uh, from me, to all of the women on this podcast and and all of the women that I've been fortunate enough to to have these conversations with and these ongoing conversations, a massive thank you for that. Let's get started. If you could make one book or piece of media compulsory reading or watching for either people new to your industry training or just just anybody in general, what would it be and why? Oh, it's a lot of I spend my life reading, so I just have so many. <laughs> you should go and have a look at her book collection. She's not going to be able to answer this. I'm going to make this simple because for me, this is the only book really that I've, um, I don't know why, but it's kind of the only book that I've got on like performance and the science. This one here, Raw by Stacey Sims, that I've been going on about. That's the one that I'm into at the minute. Um, yeah. Well, as you've covered that one, I'm going to say um, the intuitive eating book. Um, I can't remember I can't remember the name of the author. It's two ladies, intuitive eating book. And that's because you've covered the hormones, so I'll do that and then we're covered. <laughs> you've got a whole holistic approach. Yeah. Going. <laughs> I feel like I should know because this is a conversation we have all the time. Intuitive eating. I do know the two the two Oh, it's gonna spoil me as well, because I've got them on the end of my tongue. So like Google it. As Evelyn Is this is it? Yes, yes. Evelyn Tribol, I think, and Elise Resch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you got it. I thought so. That, that's a, that, they're a hot topic. Over yes. The, yeah, they've been a very hot topic because people like to willfully misinterpret their work. I think that's part of the bigger conversation we've had about, um, yeah. you know, there is no right or wrong way. But if you could go back in time and speak to yourself in the first year or two of your training career or just your adult life, what advice would you have for yourself? I think be kinder to yourself and and your body because I think that was probably the period when I was like, right, I'm going to be an athlete. I'm going to power through every workout. I'm going to be like, you know, doing loads of exercise before school. And and it was kind of, um, I didn't reach burnout of it, but you know, it wasn't effective training at the end. Um, So I'd say I would probably take a few more rest days and listen to my body a bit better. And I know that Hannah's going to agree on that one. Yeah. I would say be patient and trust the process Mm. because it's going to, it will work out. Mm. Everything works out. Yeah, I think those, those two things like tie, tie together quite nicely, isn't it? Is that 
we we go at things, don't we? Because we're like, hard work pays off. So if I just keep going out there, so I'm going to get out the other end. And then, like you say, that stress cup fills up, and suddenly you're not training for two weeks, and you're like, I don't understand why hard work didn't pay off. Um, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes something amazing happens. That's something that you would just never have dreamt of in a million years, never even expected, and it just takes a different turn. Yeah, yeah like I, I'm 33 now, and it's taken me this long to come to the realization that like train well enjoy yourself but like know that something might just come up tomorrow that completely throws the spanner in the works for better or worse so don't get too attached to like any idea of where this where things are going yeah. what one or two daily or weekly habits or actions possibly unique to you do you feel have contributed most to your achievements I think this is quite, I'm not sure, I can't really say if this is going to contribute in the long term, but this is something I've started recently, only because I got, I was in a hotel quarantine in Saudi Arabia, and it was quite strange for me, because I'd, like, because obviously in Saudi Arabia, they don't mix, like, the men and the female um, gym spaces, so the, the female gym was actually shut, and in the hotel, it's different out there, like, you just have to stay in the vicinity of the hotel, and so my teammate was in the gym, and but I, the female gym was shut, so I was just in my room. And um, I think there I started doing, because obviously I had nothing to do, but daily I would get up in the morning and I would do a yoga practice, um, <laughs> but like strictly, because I'd never, Hannah will always this say. This was going to be my answer. We, <laughs> you're taking my yeah, answer. She, this is why, because I'm basically copying her, that's what I do for a living. Um, no, she, because, because she's always like drilling into me, oh, you need, you know, you should get into the routine of it. Yoga's like a long-term thing and you should, and I will always be the kind of person that's like, no, I've got to go and reply to this email or I've got to go and do this or whatever. But actually when I was in that room and I was forced to do it every day I then actually felt the benefits of it when I was racing later on in the week and when I was in a stress moment I felt like it was a lot easier to come back to like okay look not the end of the world you know the stillness that I think it created in me from that from that kind of actually making myself do it in my room that was probably the biggest thing I yeah think. so I'm it not teaches sure if, you stillness which mm -hmm. I think is such an important I'm not sure if that will actually also another thing which is quite good I find especially when I'm like exercising a lot like if I'm at home and I'm in quite a good routine um and um I normally like well historically I'll, I'll be really bad if I'm Hannah basically is the cook in the house so she'd do like amazing dinners and then if I'm left to like make a meal for myself I'll kind of like wander a bit and be a bit of like a lost child in the kitchen or just won't eat yeah <laughs> There's so, so many days where I'm like, have you had lunch? She's like, no, because there's nothing in the house. And I'm like, the fridge is full. <laughs> so I'll, I'll have that like afternoon drop, you know, like the 3 p.m. complete crash. But recently we've got into the habit and Hannah's, because of Hannah, she's doing this recipe testing for a cookbook, but she'll be making big, big like lunches instead of big dinners. So then I have like an energy, if you probably could explain it better. But. Yeah, well, basically, I think in lockdown, it's been a lot more helpful. I mean, this is not the quick fire questions that you were asking for, but in lockdown, <laughs> it's been um, really helpful for, you know, to be able to make bigger meals or easier to make bigger meals um, in the middle of the day, which I know is not feasible for most people on like a normal day. Um, but it's just really good because it, um, it allows your body to fully digest your food and um so that when you go to bed your body can then kind of do what it needs to overnight and properly detox and do you know it's natural process um but also i think that so often people don't eat enough at lunchtime to sustain their energy throughout the afternoon which is why everyone hits that kind of 4 p.m slump and they haven't had enough protein or they haven't had enough healthy fats um so just having like a bigger balanced meal has mm. been i've really it's improved 
Mm. you know us so much our health because we just feel like we like we can power through the whole day and mm. you don't get that slump you yeah. don't need that like four o'clock sugar rush it's probably giving me more time in the day to you know if it, if it be to go in the gym in the afternoon when i normally would have been like oh, i'm too tired i'm just gonna do my admin this afternoon or whatever it might be it's kind of just giving me mm. a few more hours in the day that are actually effective it really makes no sense that we eat like a massive meal and then just go and sleep does it and then what you do with all that nutrients that's trying to like work in your body and serve you yeah like and again i'll preface this by saying there's no one size fits all approach but like you a lot of our eating habits you can kind of and it, i was going to say this earlier when we were talking about school about education but you can see how these habits were built around like really old systems like where we get up and go and work in the workhouse you know um, <laughs> and yeah it does make no sense and i often find myself wondering like do we eat smaller lunches knowing that traditionally socially we're going to eat these bigger dinners because that's built you know we're built around this system of everyone went to work and you came home and you had this you broke bread you had this big family meal or you know is it the other way around is it the idea that we would not have time during the day and you'd eat so frugally that by the time the evening comes around you're just starving and i think a lot of people are are trapped in the latter category when they don't need to be because they think and I, you know, I've been here myself. They're like, oh, you think, oh, I'm going to have a small lunch because I'm going to have a big dinner. Mm. But actually, if you just fuel yourself one, two o'clock, you just put in those calories, you get to the evening and you're like, oh, unsurprisingly, I'm not starving hungry. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I can eat like a night, a, a good sized dinner and then go to bed and digest it without yeah. like feeling like I want to eat every single thing in, in the fridge. And I think that is, I, I don't really want to go down this rabbit hole, but a big part of intuitive eating is actually fueling yourself enough during the day so that you're not starving hungry during the night. Because like you say, it's, it is counterintuitive that we're so like focused on this idea of like finished in the fields or finished in the workhouse or whatever it's been historically and then go home and, and break bread with the family and eat this big meal. But it maybe doesn't serve us. Yeah, it's a big part of Ayurvedic medicine as well. So they, that's kind of like a big structure in Ayurvedic medicine. So if you were to eat a big meal, then they actually would say that it's better for you to stay up later and sleep in the next morning than it would be to like just try and go straight to sleep and try and sleep on a full tummy. Mm, yeah, that's, that's a, it's really interesting concept. But I think one thing that, again, not one size fits all, but fueling yourself yeah. throughout the day is a, that's you know it's a, it's a game changer isn't it yeah for your mental clarity for everything yeah can you name one item you've purchased or acquired relatively inexpensively that has given you a huge return on your investment whether that's something that's benefited your training nutrition your productivity in business your career your contentment or even just everyday happiness so something someone could go out and buy right now Oh. You go first. I'm I'm say, I want to say blender, but I'm gonna let her cover the cooking appliances. <laughs> so I would say, like, this is quite a, a niche one, but obviously hotel quarantines we're doing a lot of in sport at the minute. So skipping ropes and yoga mats have been a big one for me. Um, yeah, just the, like the portable yoga mat, the full, the full one, that the like the really lightweight one has been amazing for being on the boat and being uh, stuck without anywhere to work out uh, to create your own space. Um, I'm trying to think in terms of like training. I don't think. I'm going to say I 
got a weighted eye pillow for Christmas and it's changed my life. I am obsessed. It's got a lavender scent on it and mm. I, I stick that on. And honestly, I could, it would melt away any problem I ever have. <laughs> Just lie on the floor and whack that over my eyes. These are these, those things. They're the reasons I asked this question because I think there's so many of us that have like these odd things in life where we're like, Oh, I just have this thing and I don't really talk about it because I'm at home or, you know, it's just not a big deal that are absolutely like game changing. Like um, we're just not talking about it and people can go away now. And there's so many of these conversations I've had on the podcast where I've gone and thought, Oh, I'll try that. And I'm like, how have I got through 33 years <laughs> knowing about this thing? Yeah. yeah. It's the small things in life, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it really is. And I, I really like the fact you said yoga mat and I like the phrase you use about finding your own space. Cause I think something that people maybe don't necessarily or overlook in fitness is setting the environment and that having a yoga mat, you can roll out and be like, and this, this, some people might may take this as a little bit airy fairy, but roll out. And you know, now you're like, I'm in my space this you and my intention is to work out yeah. uh yeah i think that can make a huge difference because yeah. it's easy to do isn't it roll out a yoga mat and i say to people all the time like roll yeah. out a yoga mat put your dumbbells down it's very unlikely at that point you're not going to train because what yeah. you're not just going to stand there and look at them yeah but it doesn't take any motivation to just roll out your yoga mat does it and it and also we, feels a bit luxurious when you're away. Like we've all been there. Where we've used the hotel towel and like try and stretch out on the floor to try and have something soft to lie on when you're doing a sit-ups or whatever. But when you actually have something that is so lightweight that you're able then to, just, you know, use as like whatever form of exercise you want to do, it is exactly that. It's like making your own little area and your own sanctuary. And in yoga, we have this, when we sit down, you sit down on the mat and then you're just there. You kind of ground yourself on the mat and you're just like, okay, this is what I'm doing right now. This is the most important thing that I can do for myself right now. And I'm going to gift myself this practice. And then at the end, instead of rushing off, that's why you do Shavasana because it's designed that, you know, really my, my yoga teacher always used to say that everyone wants to skip Shavasana and walk out the class. But this is the moment when you have to ask yourself, like, is there really anything more important that I should be doing right now rather than giving myself at least five minutes of just stillness and calm and complete relaxation? Yeah, and I, this is where so much of yoga aligns with so much we talk about now, like scientifically. Um, like we're always in this high stress parasympathetic state. Like we live in it now. We've got, you know, we, our phones are glued to us. So if you want to get stressed out, you haven't got to look very far, have you? And to go from like you, you train and you put yourself in this deliberately stressful environment and then you're expecting adaptations from that but you're carrying on in that high stress environment. You need to give your body the cue to say, cool, we're done here. Let's start repairing. And I speak to people all the time and I'm like, what do you do once you finish training? Like do you down regulate in any way? Like it can be as simple as have a walk and just focus on your breathing. And I would talk to people and they go, I ain't got time for all of that. Exactly. <laughs> but I know for a fact they've got a 300 pound, like a massage gun. And they're yeah. like, they've got all the, like this like vibrating foam rollers and they're doing all this like aggressive recovery work. And I'm like, J just like chill out for a bit after your workout, like have a bath or something. Like that's all you need to do. Just bring it down instead yeah. of, and get into this low stress state. So I, I love that. I think that's absolutely. That's it, isn't it? In this world, this like external Western world that we're living in, rest is so underappreciated. Yeah. Like it's, it's seen as a bit of a failure if you rest. And actually I think rest is the key. Yeah. 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 Something I've taken on like recently, probably since, uh, 
so I, I had another business and that's in light of the world kind of ending last year that's that stopped and I was always you know I 90 hours a week was standard and other stuff on top of that and I think we get into this trap of we need to tell people we're busy all the time you know people say oh what have you been up to oh, I've just been busy I've just been busy but you can't <laughs> even do you can't even define what you've been doing. And something I've made a very deliberate choice in doing is even though I'm producing, even though I'm doing a ton of work still, when people are like, you've been busy, I'll just say like, yeah, I've been pretty chilled out though. Like I make a yeah. conscious decision to say like, yeah, I'm pretty chill. Because otherwise we're deliberately framing ourselves as stressed all the time. Right. And it's just yeah. going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Exactly. And also you feel busy. You end up like, I found this especially, and I was looking at Delicious Ella. She did like a Q&A yesterday on her Instagram. And it was about like screen time. And I was thinking it hit me like a ton of bricks because it was like, you know, you, you feel, and then I started thinking you feel busy when you're on your phone, but being mm. on your phone, you could be on Instagram, like in a stressed scroll, feeling busy. <laughs> you're not yeah. being productive. Like being busy doesn't mean you're being productive. Sitting there and like replying to messages or doing something stupid on Instagram or posting, you feel, you genuinely feel busy. Like, cause you get, you can feel it in your body. You can feel yourself like really thinking about something you're doing. But I still, I've set a screen limit on my phone now. That's to, no more of that. <laughs> yeah, that. I think that is for a lot of people a big shocker, isn't it? When they look at not even the, not so much the screen time. Understandably, people have to spend time on their phones for work. But that yeah. battery usage for Instagram, yeah. like for a lot of people, and you're like, are, are you busy? Yeah, you exactly. can't be that busy. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only perform one exercise or movement for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? dancing yeah uh, i love a kitchen party if i'm cooking the music's yeah. on and i'm dancing around and it's like therapy i yeah. couldn't give that up so i'd hijack her one as well as mine and i i knew i had to get in there first like, you, <laughs> you dive straight in there yeah <laughs> i'd say going for a run as well like when i'm at my most stressed it's kind of um yeah i just love to get outside and get some fresh air and change the scenery a bit and i think yeah if i had to do one for the rest of my life it would probably be that go for a run if you could have dancing and running de facto yeah. Would there be any? Uh, would there be any particular resistance movement or something like that that you think I couldn't live without that? I do love a squat. That uh, box that you were jumping on yesterday. Oh uh, yeah, what's that called? Box jump. Box jump. <laughs> it's called a box. Said, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> never tried it. Never tried it. Never even saw it. I looked at her jumping at it. I thought, how are you even getting up there? <laughs> <laughs> But, I don't think she's allowed to say that's going to be her one exercise if she's never done it before. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no but my, <laughs> mine's dancing with a, with, a, with a squat involved in the dancing. Okay. Okay. With both squats. Does that no, count? No. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that done many. I mean, I'm from like deepest, darkest Essex, so I've seen dancing with squats. <laughs> down, so. That was my, most of my youth. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this has been absolutely fantastic and really informative, and it, it took a it took a it took a twist I didn't expect, and I'm so glad it did because it's like really reframed the context of the whole podcast into something completely different, but I think incredibly important. So thank you very much for that. Oh, thank, thank you. you for having us. Yeah, it was great. If you could make one book or piece of media, so this could be pretty much anything. Uh, compulsory reading or watching for people new to either OCR or training or just anybody what would it be and for what reason um two I think I've got uh, I think it's mandatory that people should read Ant Middleton the fear bubble 
um that's that's been a massive turning point for me since reading that um i actually read it on the way out to the world championships um and then i do a lot of um i spend a lot of my time um zoning into peter crone um who is a um incredible mindset coach um and i think that's it's huge it's uh, it's taught me a lot about values in life uh, identity and uh yeah so i think they're they're two massive books do you think they've impacted your training Say that again, sorry. You think they've impacted your training and your um, and your oh, kind of success? Hundred percent, yeah. Then just my mindset that is the platform for my training. If my mindset isn't good, my training is not good. So that I do a lot of mindset work. Do you think it's it's that mindset work that is the separator from people who really want to pursue it and really want to be at the top of their game? And I guess this is in anything, and the people who are, you know, there for a good day out. Absolutely. hundred percent. I think that there's, um, I think that it's just diving a little bit deeper into reasoning as to what drives you. And I think some people don't, don't have that, that link and some people do. And yeah, so I think that's really powerful. Peter Crone's incredible. If anyone wants to look him up. If you could go back in time and speak to yourself in the first year or two of your training or uh, your career in OCR, what advice would you have for yourself? Um, the, vi- the advice I would give myself is don't overload myself with too much. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, yeah, something that I really, really struggled with was the balance of running businesses and training and competing. Um, and I sometimes almost bit off more than I could chew at times. And so I would definitely say, um, learning to say no as well. Yes. Yeah, so- so- always say yes to things and then i'd be like why did i say yes to that <laughs> do you think um, it's important to find what aligns with you and just go down those to pursue the things that are bringing you the most happiness as opposed to spreading yourself too thin absolutely i think that's massive um i think that yeah spreading yourself too thin um you know giving out energy to things that you don't necessarily get a return on is is something that i've always done um and something that i kind of look back now it's not really been until this year that i've managed to kind of reflect on that stuff um but yeah it's definitely been something that has not held me back but it's not maybe potentially fulfilled the things i want to fulfill right can you name one item that you've purchased or acquired relatively inexpensively but it's given you a huge return on investment whether that's something that's benefited your training nutrition your productivity in business or just your contentment um you sure you want me to mention that (laughs) (laughs) i don't think there's any kids listening (laughs) um it's probably been um my dry robe or my kit bricks i know it sounds stupid but my kit bricks has been an absolute dream i used to lug about nine bags when i was trying to go to like mike's gym and stuff um my kit bricks has been awesome but my dry robe has been a game changer like if i go for a swim outdoors um even going down to norfolk the other day i had a quick sea swim and i just chucked that on straight after um and before and after races as well like my dry robes changed my life so yeah um, that's that's exactly what exactly what we're looking for is those little things isn't it those little things those little tweaks um, and little acquisitions that might not be hugely expensive, but like make a huge difference on a day to day. Now think back to now when I didn't have a dry robe and I'd be registered for a race and then I'd be standing there for an hour, like, like literally like this. And so it is a game changer, honestly. Like as I'm, as I was finishing the world championships and coming down the last K, I was thinking about the dry robe. I'll <laughs> 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 maybe just get in it. <laughs> Massive for me. 
If you could only perform one exercise or movement for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to caveat this by saying you can, whatever else you do, you can still run. I wouldn't have said run, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I, I, I was worried you might and I thought, oh, that's, I'm going to caveat this. Oh, God, that's so hard. Um, it would probably have to say a burpee. I know that's probably mandatory. Either a burpee or a push press. I love a push press. You're a girl after my own heart there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, burpee I, press. I think the burpee really is like, it gets, a bad, it gets bad press. But I can't think of anything more functional than being able to get back up off the floor. Yeah. Like I don't ever not want to be able to get back up off the floor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, to go to hair home, like every OAP home, get them doing burpees. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and why a push press? I just love pressing. I love, like, I just, I've got a lot of strength overhead. So yeah, I would definitely say, um, I'm, I'm, I'm much stronger overhead than I am like, you know, back squats and things like that. So I much prefer upper body work than lower. Don't we all, but yeah. um, I like a push press. Yeah. If I could do a workout with just burpees and push press, I'd be, I'd be flying. I really like that we've spent an hour plus talking about the importance of the posterior chain and pulling movements. And <laughs> at the end, at the end of it all, you said, I'd still just do push press though. <laughs> push press your bench, the happy days. <laughs> yeah, like you said, you've got to be happy though, haven't you? <laughs> There's no point doing it if you're miserable. So if you can make one book or piece of media, it doesn't have to be a book, it could be anything, compulsory reading or watching for people new to the industry or your sport, or anybody, what would it be and for what reason? Um, I, th I think I'd have to sort of answer separately for stunts and for parkour. Cool. And I'm not sure I have particularly good answers for either. But um, I would say if, if you're trying to get into the world of stunts, then there are, there are a few podcasts that I'd say are worth listening to just because they give a pretty good insight into what it's actually like to be a stunt performer. And not just the highs, but also the lows. And um, one in particular is a podcast by a guy called David Holmes. It's called Cunning Stunts. And I'd say that that would be worth giving a listen to that just because it, either it will make you think, yes, this is the career path for me. But actually, you might listen to it and think, oh, actually, I don't know if I fancy that. Um, so I'd say that that might be a good place to start, maybe listening to that podcast. Um, for parkour, it's a little bit more tricky. Um, there is was a, that book a pun. Sorry, was that an intended pun? What did I say? I can't even remember what I said. You said for parkour, it's a little bit more tricky. Oh, it is a bit more tricky. <laughs> <laughs> See what Wee. I did there? <laughs> Definitely not intentional, but I wish it had been. Um, there's a book called um, Breaking the Jump by Julie Angel, which I haven't actually read, but I've heard so many people have read that, and it's I think it gives a good background into the sport and almost like the mentality of why parkour athletes train the way they do and that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, I'm going to go back to sort of more like the podcast and the YouTube videos. There's, there's a channel called Jimmy the giant. He puts up a lot of good content about the history of the sport. And I don't know, just, I don't know. I, th I think it's just quite sort of informative about the sport, but in quite a fun way that, a lot of people from within the community can relate to. So yeah, I'd, I'd maybe say that. But again, like, I, I feel like the other people you have on, they have like these like really 
sort of like a book about nutrition or like this book about this type of mindset and things. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't have an answer like that. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any problem with that. And uh, we've had conversations on the podcast before where we talk about actually the dangers of recommending a book. I think actually, because when a, a, you know, a book that's been authored by one person you come away with a very skewed view of whatever the topic is, right? right. And there's maybe, perhaps, perhaps, maybe it's just old school. Maybe there's a little bit of snobbery around this idea of like, what books are you reading? But I, I say to people all the time, you can learn, you're going to learn just as much, if not more, and definitely get a more nuanced view with mixed media, with, you know, mm -hmm. being on YouTube, with talking to other coaches or other athletes in your sport. Like it can be a dangerous, yeah. I think that's why I love podcasts so much, especially the podcasts like this podcast, for example, where you have lots of different athletes with lots of different viewpoints. And or say, for example, the Cunning Stunts podcast, you get to hear from lots of different types of stunt performers and just hear people's own experiences. And they're not trying to necessarily sell you like this is the right way or this is the wrong way. They're just talking about their own experience. And from that, you can take away from it what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's brilliant. I honestly, I honestly think, and Paul Warrior and I said this, like there's, there's no shame in like not having your head in a book all the time because mm -hmm. there are other ways and all books are really in, in especially like non, you know, nonfiction kind of the sort kind of books you're talking about. People have mentioned they're just someone's idea and interpretation of all the research and experience. And you can right. get that yourself by listening mm -hmm. to podcasts and things like that. Yeah. If you go back in time and speak to yourself in the first year or two of your training or career, what advice would you have for yourself? Um, I, I probably have a quite a lot of advice for myself, to be honest, but I'd say the biggest one is uh, look after your body better. Um, get in with that sort of rehab, prehab training earlier on and take your wear and tear injuries a bit more seriously and maybe put in a bit more time into doing the boring stuff that's going to help you with your longevity in the sport. That's probably the main thing I'd say to myself. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think uh, all of us could do, do with a dose of that, but especially if you, uh, you know, if you are in a sport that requires you to bounce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or what? not bounce, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. a lot of the time. <laughs> We want, to, we want to be bouncing for as long as possible, don't we? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what one or two daily or weekly habits or actions possibly unique to you do you feel have contributed most to your success slash achievements? Mm. This is one I, I'm like, I'm struggling to think how I can answer this. Um, one thing I would say is, which I did touch on before, I've always made a big effort to drill all my basics um, and also I think making sure that I put a big emphasis on getting a good warm up in before training sessions, um, not only like for the physical, but also mentally in parkour, if you just try and go in and, um, just off the bat, try and do a big challenge, you can, your body can be as warm as you like, but if you haven't actually warmed up your brain for the session, then I don't think you're going to have a very productive session. So it's, it's maybe not a habit, but I'd say that I focus a lot on getting a good warm up in for every training session. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe you can help me out. What does <laughs> a, um, what does a mental warm up look like for you? Cause this is something I actually find this more important than a, than a, you know, I don't do a lot of 
general warming up really but mentally engaging with the task I find is super important so what does that look like for you yeah so for example um I might go to a training session with a specific idea of a certain challenge that I want to get done that session and one thing I'll do is while I'm warming up like doing my physical warm-up I'll sort of be going through it in my head and I almost do um, like mental runs of what it is that I'm going to do. Um, but then when it actually comes to cracking on with your training and working towards that goal, I like to break it down as much as possible. Um, so say for example, if it's, I mean, I'll, I'll try and put it as in like a very simple example. Say if you've got a 10 foot jump that you want to do that's at a, at a height, I might start off with, a smaller jump at ground level and I'll just work on that really make sure that I've got my touch feeling good that day make sure I've you know my body's going through those motions then I might take a smaller jump but to a higher height and then I might come back down and do a bigger jump but at ground level and then I might go then up and then think about it whereas if I'd just gone straight into trying to go up to that rooftop and do the 10 foot jump my body probably even if my body was actually warmed up and ready for it, but my brain wouldn't be. So I think it's about breaking things down and, you know, working on the individual components. Um, so that when you come to the actual, the main thing that you're wanting to do, your, your brain's just more awake and more ready for it. Nice. Yeah. So just almost like the, in our parlance, that would be like warming up the different parts of the lift, right? Just getting engaged with the, right. yeah. Before exactly. you string it all together. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. I like that. That was really good. Mm -hmm. Can you name one item that you've purchased or acquired relatively inexpensively, but it's given you a huge return on investment, whether that's something that's hugely benefited your training or nutrition, your productivity in business, or your career, or just your everyday happiness. So something people go out and buy right now that you think that's made a huge difference. Um, it's quite hard to think of things that are like quite inexpensive. Um, but for example, <laughs> one, one thing I could think of is for a parkour athlete, when you turn up at a spot, you're not necessarily in a gym where you've got all this equipment available to you to do a proper warm up. One thing that I like to do is take resistance bands with me in my bag. They're so small. They can just like pop into the bottom of your bag. They don't weigh anything. Uh, I mean, they do, but negligible. <laughs> um, and I just find that they really help me to warm up properly. Um, whether that's like glute activation or, you know, shoulder mobility, things like that. I think resistance bands are very inexpensive, very easy to carry around. And for a parkour athlete, I think it can make a big difference when you turn up at a spot with no equipment available to you. I think that's quite a good way of being able to warm up. Helps me anyway. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people, particularly over the last 12 months, who have maybe trained in World Stock gyms or they've just done their sport, who are now have been within the new constraints, uh, mm -hmm. maybe even forced to use bands. We're like, damn, these things are actually really good and really like- You get a lot out of them. Yeah, I think particularly like yourself, if you're in a, if you're in a sport that relies on a lot of explosiveness, mm -hmm. working against band tension is um, you know, it's an incredible tool for, for nurturing that explosiveness. Yeah. And for next to nothing, right? Mm -hmm. If you could only perform one exercise or movement for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? And I'm going to give you free running. 
you can you can do all the free running to your heart's content but on top oh, i can of do that, that yeah feel free oh, okay amazing <laughs> but on, on on top of that i've been caught out before where i've spoken to people who clearly do a sport and then they just yeah, yeah i'll just surf oh Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, James Newby, I think, said surfing, didn't he? he? That was really interesting, right? For a yeah. to be like, surf, and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool, yeah. I was kind of thinking that free running wouldn't be an option, and I wouldn't, because it's such a broad thing, and there's so many, like, elements to it that it almost seemed like a bit, um, I don't know, it's like cheating if I took free running. But what I was going to say is maybe... Um, just like jumping, whether that's like broad jumps or box jumps. Um, but then I could sort of sneakily get some parkour in as well because I can still jump between between walls. <laughs> so so if you were in the in the gym environment and you could mm. only have one, let's say, group of movements, it would be jumping. I think it would be jumping because I could then carry on doing all my plyometric type stuff and yeah, jumping. I just like to jump. <laughs> Obvi- yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> If you could make one book or piece of media, compulsory reading or watching for either people new to the industry or training in calisthenics or indeed everybody, what would it be and why? And it doesn't have to be a book. Does it have to be a real book or one that I'm making up? It, it, it could be anything. It could be, you know, something that uh, a book you've read or a, a piece of media you've consumed, anything that you think that you've kind of onboarded that has kind of changed the way you think about things or essentially something that people could go out and read or watch now that you think would, you know, help them in their training or even in their personal life? I would just suggest that they go out and source any information or videos or books or anything about people who have failed and succeeded and failed and succeeded back and forth. So it's not a specific video, but there are so Mm. many books out there about people who are constantly striving for more and they don't see failure as failure. They see it as a learning process. And so reading that and realizing that this is a whole part of the journey and you need to find the fun and enjoyment in this. Um, You know, we're here for a short term on this planet, so you might as well enjoy the ride. So finding the enjoyment in the, in the present, I think is really important. So something like that. Is there anyone um, in particular that sticks out to you? Anyone you've kind of read about, et cetera, that kind of stands out? I can't think of anyone on the top of my head, although I have um, a, a good friend who, who does stand out to me called Kirsten Varela. He's a, he has a calisthenics path in Mumbai in India. And uh, I've seen him build that from absolutely nothing. And I've seen the ups and the downs. And he does show that and document that himself. And he's had injuries. He's had his ankle break and all sorts of stuff. And he just keeps pushing through with this like fearless and furious happiness and uh, passion for life. And I love that. What was his name again? His name's Kirsten Varela. Cool. If you could go back in time and speak to yourself in the first year or two of your training or career as a trainer, or indeed just your adult life, what advice would you have for yourself? Oh, wow. So much. It would be don't rely on external validation or external motivation. You need to know why you're doing this for you and you need to, to fully back yourself and just do what you love and be confident in that. Something I'm still working on, but I think it's super important. Yeah, massively. I love that. What one or two daily or even weekly habits or actions possibly unique to you do you feel have contributed or continue to contribute to your success and achievements 
So one would definitely be getting out and walking every single day. So I just get up, I go for a five, six K walk. I do work, you know, shame to say I do work while I'm walking, but just getting out, I feel like it gives me some breathing space. I get a bit of inspiration. I have all my best thoughts in that regard as well. And the second one would just be kind of similar, but just being able to move my body in some way every day, but not having any restraints around what I do. So one day it might be bouldering, rock climbing. The next day it might just be an hour of handstands. Another day it might be a swim. And then sometimes it's a full-blown gym session, but just moving and getting out around other people who are like-minded. Yeah, I could not be uh, more in agreement there with you, particularly about the, the walking thing. I don't know if it is Tim Ferriss or someone like that who has you know, talked to a lot of successful people. And he says one of the most common denominators is that they just go out for a walk every day. Like yeah. you're, um, and I've done a lot of kind of, you know, I've written a few articles on this, so I've, I've dug into it quite deeply. And then there's so much like neuroscience that back up, like, like you, I have all of my, I do work. I always take, you know, I make so many notes on my phone while I'm walking, or I might start listening to an audio book and then I have to stop halfway through the audio book and start taking notes. And yeah. all of my best <laughs> ideas come to me when you're kind of, I guess, well, I know exactly what it is. You, your kind of prefrontal cortex is allowed to relax. So you're not ruminating, you're not worrying, you're just there. And especially if you're outside, you're away from home, you're not at work, you know, what are you going to do? Like it's yeah. kind of stress-free in a way, isn't it? And when you relinquish so that good. control, your brain just starts working. Yeah, it's just, it's the, the best thing. And like you say, you can multitask, you know, my notes, I've got thousands of notes on my phone, it's shocking. But, you know, you just come up with so many good ideas. And it's great because it's accessible for anyone. And, you know, people say, I can't fit in, you know, a certain amount of steps per day. It's not about that. There's no, you're not working to any timeframes, limits or anything like that. It's just, just get up, put your trainers on and go for a little stroll. That's all you have to do. Yeah, I think this also harkens back to something we discussed about this sort of indoctrination into the idea that exercise training has to be this like hard and heavy, get sweat on, like, you know, thing. And I think that all, people can't believe, can they, that what, just go out for a walk? Like they can't yeah. believe, like it's, it sounds so like, surely that's not. I always say I'm like, walking is so underrated. Like it's the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exercise I don't want to do it and I've met you know a few a very few people who are like I just don't like anything I'm like just go for a walk it yeah. will change everything you know it, it's just it's so good but also just do something anything anything that you want you know it just doesn't matter it's not about always getting gains or getting to a certain place it's just going well, what can I do that will feel yeah. good I, I used to use the, the the sort of stupid phrase motion is lotion for for injury and for um you know for doms and for just like general clickiness like just get moving and it will kind of sort itself out but I realized recently that it's actually a lot deeper than that and like motion is lotion for life like you oh, it yeah. really gets everything moving and uh, I was chatting to someone about the best time of I was in a Q&A about the best time of day to train and like I don't like to train in the morning because I still feel a bit clicky I still I want to have my whole day to fuel and whatnot so I do prefer to train in the evening but I realized as my lifestyle has changed the potency of training in the middle of the afternoon because you get your your morning of work done where you, you go for that walk and you're pretty productive anyway and then an afternoon training session I just feel so good afterwards yeah and I can yeah. do like my the positive effect that has on my day like I know even if I'm really up against it I know if I just take 40 minutes out 
to go and train that will potentiate the rest of my day totally yeah and i saw something similar that's kind of cringy but like movement is medicine it really is it's just it solves so many things not just physically but mentally as well like it it really has so many benefits um and i think sometimes like you say we can get caught up in this whole i have to be you know a certain program i have to have a certain session time i need to be able to work to a high capacity where it's just going that's again coming back to that why like why who am I? What am I doing this for? I'm just doing this because it's good and movement is medicine. And so just doing something that feels right. Yeah. It's super interesting. I used to, um, whenever I'd go out for my walk in the morning, I'd always just post a picture of the sunrise <laughs> and just like write AM KMs on it. And people would always respond and say like, Oh, how far are you running? Are you training for something? Blah, blah, blah. Because, and I, I guess it's the nature of the platform as well and how I present yeah. myself, but they're very surprised when you're like, no dude, I'm just going for a walk. Like yeah. I just, I just got like a nice audio book on and I'm going for a walk and yeah, it's hard for people to, I guess, accept that that is like you say, that's medicine. It's so true. I mean, I, I do the same thing. I try not to, cause I feel like it might annoy people, but every day I go out for a walk in the morning and I'm like, oh, I'll take a picture of it and put it on my Instagram or something like that. And people will message me. Oh, how often do you go for a walk? How far do you walk? How fast yeah. do you walk? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, don't need to know. It's not important. It really isn't. (laughs) But it is a part of like the culture that we live in, the society that we live in where everything is measurable and therefore seems that it should be measured and progressing or, you know, whatever it might be, we're working towards some goal. Can't just be. (laughs) And what's amazing is if when you step back from that attitude and just enjoy to uh, learn to enjoy things in the moment, I'd imagine the longevity you're adding to your training there majorly supersedes um, any benefits you're going to get from always being uh, detail orientated and always being like focused on what's the next goal. What am I going to, you know, what am I trying to do now? Yeah. You're going to outlast the version of you that is like that way and is heading for burnout by just relinquishing control and being like, I'm just going for a walk. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also helps with regards to staying passionate about movement, you know, because it's so easy to force yourself to go and do a, a program or a workout in the gym that you have to do because it gets deadlift Monday or whatever it might be. And you kind of go there grimacing, thinking, I don't want to be here. This feels rubbish. Whereas if you have a little bit more relaxed view of it or approach to it, sometimes it can just be so much more freeing and motivating just to keep going. And you can have that passion for your training so much more for just moving yeah uh, i i was training for an iron man and it was very truncated training because it was like the last minute i'd been asked to do it for work and i had like i think about like three months i had like no time so i knew it had you know as a exercise professional i knew it had to be very focused and and then corona hit and it got cancelled and it was absolutely as someone who just likes to enjoy his movement that was i had to be very careful because that crushed me because i was like i didn't want to be doing all that stuff i didn't want to be going out the house on a sunday at six o'clock in the morning knowing i'm not going to be back till lunchtime yeah but it can be easy to fall into that world i think very quickly like you kind of become consumed with it especially if you are around people let's say for example who train for triathlons or (laughs) athletes something like that and they have that and there's nothing wrong with that perspective but obviously, again, it's each to their own. And so yeah. it, very, it can be very easy to, to fall into that. And suddenly you're going, wait, I'm changing my training here and I'm not enjoying this as much. And you start to notice that your, your passion or your enjoyment is going down. Yeah. And, and as we were just saying, like that ultimately is probably going to affect your longevity in training. Yeah. 
Whereas when you're, you know, you know, it's not always just, you've got to do a good dose of things that you don't necessarily want to do. Like I imagine if you could just do a 30 second back leap right now, you would probably take that option, right? If I could, you know, cast it, cast <laughs> yeah, a spell right. and make it happen. So there is a, there is a hefty, like realistic, like I am going to have to go through some stuff that I'd yeah. like to skip. And that's that, that's the sacrifice and that's the discipline, but I don't think it's as dark and kind of, it's not this weird kind of fantasy, dark, evil forest people make it out to be where they're like, I've got to go for, you know, you're not going on some hero's journey. We're just, we're just doing some sets of reps here. Yeah. And I Enjoy think that's it. one of the biggest factors. Obviously I work with a lot of women who are very beginner in fitness and that's a huge barrier to entry into just any fitness because they just look at it and they go, I have to commit to being able to do four workouts a week and I know I'm going to be sweating and I'm going to be really tired. And I, like no you know if a client comes to me and says I'm so sorry I went you know I was ill and I missed two workouts I'm like great no problem what did you do instead did you do anything and they're like I went for a walk I'm like fantastic did you enjoy it yeah I did okay great perfect all right cool and they know that there's an aspect of course of hard work if you want something but there's also so much it's just so much more enjoyable to get towards it even if it's a little bit slower but like you say it might lead to more longevity um if you can just be a little bit more flexible in your approach yeah, I always refer to it as like, it's the scenic route versus the motorway, isn't it? Like, look, yeah. if you've got to get someone really quickly, get on the motorway. But if you want to enjoy yourself, take the, you know, take the country roads and it might take a little bit longer. But if you enjoy driving, then chances are you're going to get to the other end feeling a lot better. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great one. I mean, I think that sort of sums up my, my training, really. <laughs> I've been permanently on the scenic route. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you and me both, you and me both. <laughs> if you could only, oh, sorry, I've skipped one here because we just, we just spoke on that one question for so long. Can you name one item that you've purchased or acquired relatively inexpensively that has given you a huge return on your investment? doesn't necessarily have to be in training, could be in your personal life, productivity in business, contentment in relationship, or just everyday happiness. Something people could go out and purchase tomorrow that's going to you know, add some value to their life. I am going to say, sounds a little cliche, but I'm going to say my, that $20 pull-up pull bar because that changed everything for me. Just having that, you know, cheap piece of metal that I can hang on my door was, you know, it motivated me. It's changed my life essentially without sounding so dramatic, but you know, it's just changed everything that I do and uh, I found a real passion and it all came from just hanging on that bar every time I walk past and most of the time being like, oh, why can't I do this for more than one second? But, you know, got there in the end. And I think it proved a point to me about who I am and what I can do. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I, I think that speaks volumes as well to kind of creating a conducive environment to to better yourself. And it doesn't like it doesn't always have to be this all singing or dancing. And I think a lot of people get in their own way because they think, well, you know, unless I have a multi gym and a cable set up and, you know, two benches, uh, a couple of treadmills, an air bike, there's no point. And yeah, yeah like you could just put a pull up bar up and, yeah. it, you know, you've instantly 10x'd what you can do. And if you can't do anything yet, you've taken the first step. Like you're not going to learn to do a pull up if you're not going to the gym and you don't have a pull up bar at home, are you? Yeah. Like it's just critical thinking. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I gave it a red hot go. I nearly pulled down some door frames. Just cleaning <laughs> <onto the wall. laughs> I realized that my fingertips were not strong enough for that. But yeah, it's, it's totally true. And I think there is this um, belief, you know, that you have to have everything. Everything needs to be perfect time. You have to have the perfect workout plan. You need to know exactly what you're doing. I didn't have a clue when I started out. You know, I literally was just in my corridor in between my uni breaks or in between work, just trying to do a handstand against the wall. And the amount of times I've fallen and you know, hurt myself and done silly things. And now I have a much better idea which is why it was probably ignorance all along, but you don't need anything. You know, I try, I've, I still have less equipment than a lot of my clients do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. If you could only perform one exercise or movement for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? I'm going to say handstand. I'm going to, I'm going to say, it. I know it would be walking usually, but I'm going to say a handstand because what I love about handstands is again, there's like an, exponential growth so you can try learning new skills all the time but the main thing is you have to be present so you have to be focused on what you're doing it's like therapy because when you're in a handstand as soon as you start to think about something else something will go off and you'll be on the floor so I think for me I find handstands really relaxing they're like my pause button on life and so put on a good playlist do some handstands it just feels really really good so handstand I think um, wherever you're at, in, uh, I think, do you know Carl Pauli? No. He used to run the CrossFit gymnastics course and he's, he was like a Spanish champion gymnast. He's been on the podcast before. He's like a real OG CrossFit guy, but he's, he says a really similar thing. Um, yeah, just about the, the mindfulness needed. And I, I remember when I was talking to him about that, all I could think about was the, sorry if I lose you here, the, <laughs> Have you ever seen Empire Strikes Back? Oh, not really. Just bits. Right. I knew it. I knew, I knew you couldn't be that perfect. Um, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so you, you will, you'll know who Yoda is, right? Yes, I do know Yoda. And, you know, Luke's training with Yoda and he's doing a one-handed <laughs> handstand. And it's a little bit exaggerated, but the idea is the minute he loses focus, he can no longer like yeah. tap into that. And it's so true of handstand, but you have to be so present. And yeah. I think nothing promotes flow like handstands because wherever you're at regression wise, you're always on that cusp of a boredom of anxiety where it's you're testing your skill level, right? You have to be so present. And if you're not, you'll get found out. Yeah. And I think the translation from that into every other movement and every other aspect of your life in some ways is huge. Um, yeah. yeah. I slipped a disc in my back and I immediately that night, it was deadlifting and it was, it was heavy weight for me, but it was not bad form. It's just that I got set up and then I took a phone call because I thought it was an emergency and came back and I just wasn't quite present. Yeah. And that's all it took, that lack of tension and intention. Yeah. And that very night I was thinking about handstands and that idea of like, well, if you, if you lose focus, you lose the handstand, you will get found yeah. out. And, and I think similarly with breathing as well in your handstand you have to be breathing in a controlled manner like you can't just be like yeah. panicking breathing you know really really heavily um, you have to control it and maintain tension as well so it is so good for that yeah so much just so much carry over to every other every other movement right like we yeah. said calisthenics in general but i would say that handstands they probably have the most accessible regressions maybe, or that you can yeah. get. Yeah. I think the biggest problem for handstands. Uh, so people learning handstands is more the fear of being upside down. Upside down yeah. um, and also probably the, the time frame. But I think people accept that it's going to take a long time. And I always say to people, you know, 
they go, oh, it's going to take, how long, they'll say, how long did it take you to learn how to handstand? I'm like, that's probably about five years now and I still have a lot to learn. Um, but, you know, when we're babies and we're learning to walk for the first time, it takes a long time. We just don't remember that. You know, we, we stand up, we fall, we crawl for a while and all these sort of things. And it takes time. And it's the same with a handstand as well. And there we have it. Thank you for listening in. Guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be greatly appreciated if you could drop us a review on your podcast app of choice. Any feedback you've got, please send it over via social media and don't hesitate to tell us what you would like to hear more of. I'm AT. This has been the Bulldog Gear podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys.